You're listening to Leveling Up, where we'll show you how to win at the game of life and business. It's time to power up your skills through life gamification with your host, Eric Sue. All right, everyone. Today we have Chris Doe, who I've been following for a while. He does a bunch of different stuff around design. I've been following his Instagram. It's crazy. You got to follow him on Instagram. It's the Chris Doe, right? Yep. And your goal is to educate 1 billion people on... I want to teach a billion people how to make money doing what they love without selling their soul, without feeling gross. Okay. That's awesome. I want to come back to that. Oh, without feeling gross. That's important. So I want to come back to that, but I would like to understand a little more kind of who you are and and what your story is before we continue. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. I have, I've been traditionally trained as a graphic designer, went to Art Center College of Design. Shortly after graduating, I created my own company, which is called Blind. We were one of the early pioneers in the motion graphics scene before the word motion graphics was even a term. And I've been running that business for the last 24 plus years. In the last couple of years, I've transitioned. I've gone from doing motion design, which is essentially creating commercials for big advertising companies, anyone from Nike to Microsoft to Sony PlayStation and everybody in between, car companies, dog food, you name it, we've done it. Last couple of years, I've ventured into creating content for YouTube and it spawned a brand new business, a business that I'm happy to say it's now a seven-figure business. And this is where I'm putting all my energy and effort into today. Got it. And did you step away from that consultancy agency? Yeah, ultimately, it's still there. It's still in kind of operational form. It's there, but we we don't take any more client work. And I'm contemplating what the heck to do with that entity now, now that I've shifted the entire team over from a service company to a content company. Cool. So you're still owned all the equity in the company. Okay. So, and actually this has happened quite a bit on this podcast where you have people that were previously running agencies where they switch into like an info business or like a software business. So I guess for you guys, at what point did you decide to make that transition? I mean, how was the company doing before? Because to make that switch is pretty big, right? Yeah. In December of last year, my team and I, we got together and we said, can we make a go at this? Can we focus our energies in the content space and create a passive income business model, essentially, and leave behind the client work? And we all collectively thought about it and we thought, there's a big gap between where we were as a service company and a content company. But if we focus our time and energy is better spent. So I'll do a little math with you, okay? We walked away from two jobs totaling $700,000 in service work, two commercials, essentially. We looked at one of them, which was budgeted at 400,000. And we said, we ran this project really well due to the nature of its complexity with live action, visual effects, photo reel rendering, all that kind of stuff. Maybe we can get 20, 25% profit. And we started looking at that number and said, if that's really couple of months worth of work, and that's all the profit that we have, are we better off sitting down using that exact same time, creating a new product to sell, which we own the intellectual property of and would generate income for us for the rest of our lives? After a little deliberation, it was pretty clear which way we're going to go. And that's why we decided, you know, we're going to say no. It was very difficult to say no, because it's a real job with really exciting tech companies and people who are doing things that we love normally we would kill for an opportunity like that. And we said no, and we just walked away from it. Yep. So you're at the stage where it's now like, okay, I'd rather go for better profit margins, right? And also it's less stress for you and your team to be teaching, correct? Yeah, it is better profit margin, but then you're selling lots of little things versus one big thing. Instead of killing the whale, you're you're kind of foraging for 
you know, plants and fruits and little things that you can eat, but those are plentiful versus like going in that feast and famine state. This is highly predictable. We make money every single day, no matter what we do. Okay. And so what is the new business called? It's called The Future uh -huh. and it's an online education platform. We essentially teach creative people the business of design and the design of business. Got it. Okay. And so how do you guys make money? How much are the courses? Mm -hmm. We make money through a number of different channels and you're going to hear about a couple of them. The way that we make the bulk of the money is we sell courses and eBooks. Those are essentially glorified PDFs. And the courses are a mixture of PDF and video-based instruction. We have some courses that range from, I think the lowest price one is $149. The most expensive course that we sell is a business bootcamp. That's $4,000. So they, they run the gamut, as you can see. Got it. And you also do coaching, correct? I do coaching. I do private coaching for some creatives who need it. That's $1,000 an hour. I do it remotely. Those are taped. We get some money through sponsorships, through sustaining members who just donate money to us. There's about 500 of those people. Then there's a peer-to-peer -peer group coaching thing, which is about 300 people. Got it. Yeah, I love the design community because whenever they see something good, they become rabid fans, right? Working in online education and in design space in the past. So a friend started DMing me your stuff. He's like, dude, you got to look at this guy, right? And then I kept looking at your stuff more and more and your Instagram kept getting bigger and bigger. You're growing, what, 10,000 followers a week right now? Yeah. And it's all organic, right? Yes. So can you talk a little bit about how you, the strategy behind the social channels you started attacking? Because you're big on, I think, YouTube, couple hundred thousand, Instagram too. So what was the thinking behind, the strategy behind all this? Yeah. So there's a funny conversation. I was talking to one of my creative directors, Matthew Encina, yesterday. And he's like, Chris, it seems like whatever you focus your energy on and you excel because you can reverse hack, break things down and go into it. So he was running the YouTube channel, which has now 600,000 subs. And then I started playing around with Instagram. Like, what is this Instagram thing? I grew a following despite not even really trying, very inconsistent with posting. And part of my coaching group, I said, you guys, we talk too much. Let's take action. So I want us all to put a goal, a two-week sprint, and let's do something. I'll start. I said, you know what? I have it in my mind. I want to grow to 200,000 followers by the end of the year. And I did the math. And it worked out to be about 405 follows per post. And I had to post twice a day from here to the end of the year. And I was thinking... This is not possible for me because my current rate of posting was once every four or five days. Now it's going to switch over to twice a day. But I did this knowing that there's going to be a big stretch goal. I'd learn a lot even in failure. And I just wanted to show them it's okay to say some crazy thing and go for it and not make it. I was trying to set the example. First day comes around, I knew how to post. I post one thing, but I only made one post and I was feeling really bad. It took me seven hours to make that one post. This is not sustainable. Day two, I said, okay, I'm not even living up to my own goal. This looks bad for my community, bad as me uh, as a coach. I made a deal with myself. You don't eat lunch until you finish your first post. It's about two o'clock now. I can hear my stomach grumbling. I haven't eaten breakfast. Nothing is in my body. I was, get this thing done. And sometimes, actually with almost all the time with creativity, we expand and contract to hit a deadline. The deadline is there. I did it. I put it out thinking the world's going to judge me. It's not as high quality merely because of effort. There was less time to put into this. The surprising thing is it took off. I'm like, okay, I'll do another one. And I'll work on another one. In a day, I'm feeling like this is gross. This is not good. This is low value content. Nobody's going to want to watch or look at this thing. I posted at midnight thinking if it's horrible when I wake up in the morning, I'll just delete it. 
I'll post it at a non-low volume traffic time. I post it, I wake up in the morning, it's got 7,000 likes on it. A bunch of follows like, what is going on? So moving forward, that week, the goal was to get to 5,000 new follows. I hit 10,000 in the first week. I was like, I'm onto something here. And I keep doing it, I keep doing it. And this is why I'm now at roughly about 10,000 follows a week. And what's your total follow count right now? It's like 170 or 80,000. I, I lose track. It's crazy because whenever you watch this video, it's probably going to be way higher by the time you watch this video. Um, meaning like if you see this in like a couple months or so. So you didn't do anything particularly hacky. It's just really good content, right? You spent a lot of time on it. It's not like I'm going to join like a pod and get a bunch of people to promote it. I did do a little homework beforehand and all the things that they tell you to do to follow people, to make comments and do all this kind of stuff and use these hashtags. I did none of it. I read, I'm like, this is boring. My brain is not built for this. What I did do though, and, and we all know this, every time some social platform rolls out a new feature, new, relatively speaking, and they cheat the algorithm to get people to adopt it. It's just a effort versus reward. So carousels have been underutilized, at least in the, the 10 slide carousel thing. And I had seen other people do it. And one person in particular, I do need to mention his name's Michael Janda. He was a guest on our show. And doing research for him, I looked at his carousels like, wow, you're the first person who's really using carousels not to self-promote, but to teach. He was taking his book, chopping it down to like micro pieces of content and putting it out there. And it sparked, I don't know why I didn't figure it out before, but I have literally a hundred keynote decks, if not more. And each one of those have at least a couple of carousels in them. And I was thinking after I met or chatted with Michael, I said, Michael, you've inspired me. I'm going to take it on. I'm going to go do this thing. So that's the only hacky thing I did, which was to use carousels to teach. And if you're a person who either works in sequential design, if you do editorial spreads for magazines, or you think sequentially, carousels are your thing. If you do presentations, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. Got it. And so you said, sorry, when you first started, it took you seven hours to do a post. I yeah. mean, I'm sure by now you've kind of optimized it. So how long does it take you now? The quickest I've gotten one done, it was 30 minutes, but it's about two, two and a half hours. And sometimes I'll do as many as five carousels a day. Yeah. Next time, we'll, well, I guess next time we'll pull this up on screen, but we'll, we'll show this when we edit this video. Um, but you go to the Chris Doe on Instagram and you can literally every single thing is just that. It's nothing else, right? That's it. Yep. And you're also very responsive on Instagram too, because that's how we're sitting here right now. Mm. What's the story behind that? Why, why so responsive? That's just a carryover from my YouTube, Twitter way of thinking, my modus operandi, which is if you want people to engage, which is what you really want, and you don't engage with them, what's the point? You don't reward them for engaging. So what I do is when I post something, when we premiere a video, I'll hang around for a while. I'm, I want to make sure when I post something, I've got about an hour of time after I post it to respond to comments and questions, and I make it a habit. Two days later, I'm not going to respond that much. So I really am telling you, if you hang out, if you stay notified in terms of my own content, I'll respond. I'll answer your questions. And sometimes I'm a little snarky. I get it. But that's what I do. And if you show up for that, then it's a good relationship. Yeah. And so your post, I mean, I think you had one on uh, pricing, which we can talk about pricing in a yep. little bit because I love that book. You talk about pricing and then it goes through a couple of slides like this is how you should do pricing. You shouldn't charge by the hour, blah, blah, blah. So I, I'm guessing like when people start to see the quality of your posts, how can people get started doing that that do not have a design background? Okay. Pricing is a universal thing as economics is, right? So if somebody's getting started out in pricing, they usually will underestimate what the value is to the marketplace. 
especially because you're new. You don't have anybody to talk to. You have no reference point. So absent any external influences, how do you know what the threshold for what it is that you charge? So my thing is you test the market by pushing past comfort and seeing where the market takes you back. Most often what people do is they anticipate pushback and so they pre-negotiate against themselves. So if they're thinking, I want to sell this thing for $1,000, oh, nobody's going to pay for that. Well, I'll sell it for $450. And they go out and they're living in fear that they're going to get pushback. My whole thing is if you're not getting pushback, you're not charging enough. And a rule of thumb is if they say yes three times, it's time to move your rate up. You need to find what the market can bear. And this answer is universal regardless if you're in Thailand, if you're in the Philippines or in the United States of America, it doesn't matter. Push the market to find what the ceiling is and then develop the skill to fill that gap and then push the market again. And which book are we talking about here? No book in specific. I've read many books, but the book that I probably most often reference in terms of pricing is The Win Without Pitching Manifesto. It's written by Blair Enns. He's got a follow-up book called Pricing Creativity. And there's a bunch of books out there. Michael Jand has written a book called The Psychology of Cycle Pricing, something like that. Mm -hmm. Sure. And then kind of going back a little bit, if people wanted to get started with your style of posting, because what I'm seeing right now is there's actually a lot of inspiration. I think it's probably being pulled from you and I think the other guy that you mentioned. I'm seeing that all over the place now, right? So how do people get started? It's really easy. Okay. If you don't have anything to say, which is commonly the issue, because I'm like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to talk about. So here's my thing. There's this book that you've been meaning to read that's been sitting on your coffee table in your library. Go read that book. As you're reading it, take notes. As you're taking notes, share those notes. So we've been told before, teach what you know. Well, what does anybody know really? So the easier phrase to me is teach while you learn. It removes all the barriers. Everybody can teach while they're learning. And you can put a disclaimer. I'm new to this pricing thing. Here's what I learned today. And this is really exciting. This gives you a lot of room for failure, for trolls to say, you know what? They're still learning. That's cool. They'll learn that by the end of that book, it's going to be different. And that's totally okay. I love the idea of enrolling people into what it is that you do while you're doing it. What I want to do is smash all the barriers to like getting started. You got to get started. If you follow me on Instagram, I also get into the tools, the tactics, where you should put the heavy content, at what frame, how the algorithm kind of looks at your content a little bit, but it's not too heavy in terms of that kind of stuff. Got it. Now, okay, so you have your YouTube, you said 600,000 subscribers uh, and Instagram's about to break 200,000. Yep. What other channels are you hitting right now? I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. We're on Facebook. There isn't a lot of platforms we're not on. And we try to do each of them well. And if we can't, we kind of just leave it dormant. But the first thing we want to do is everybody go claim your name in whatever space there is. It's a digital real estate. You want to have the same name across as many platforms as possible. Anytime a new one comes up, register your name and just leave it alone for a while. So I'm about, I'm a little over 40,000 followers on Twitter. Twitter to me has been the hardest one to crack. They're the one that have to work the most at to get a little bit of subscribers. But the ones that do follow you, they're really engaged. Yep. That's how I look at it. Ones that are easy, they're they're casual fans, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And LinkedIn? LinkedIn has been really kind to me too, in that I now have this content strategy where the highest performing carousels on Instagram, I combine them and I repurpose them for LinkedIn and use the share a document feature. And that is also something that the algorithm likes. And so I compared standard looking multi-image posts, basically the same content and a carousel post, and it's outperformed by a factor of 10x. Love it. Yeah. Wow. 
I think we were saying the same thing too, right? Yeah, we had a guy that previously worked for me. He now works for Gary V, and mm-hmm. he saw one of my posts. He's like, "Oh, you got to slide share this to to LinkedIn." And the engagement was what, like twenty thousand versus anyway, yeah, it's, it's a lot higher than before. Yes. Okay, so and is it you managing each and every one of these channels? Sadly, yes. It is. I also have the company, uh, uh-huh. uh, social media, and somebody else manages that. There's a whole team. Yeah. And my challenge is to the entire team, keep up with the one guy. Yeah. And I'm old. So I'm like, you got to keep up with the old man. <laughs> okay. So what previously were you using these channels to generate leads for the agency and now you're switching it over? No. I have to admit that posting for the company has always been weird for us mm-hmm. because the company is a bunch of people. It's not just me. Yep. And I think about sending out a message that feels responsible, corporate, safe, and all that kind of stuff. And after you do that, it feels like a lot of ads that you're putting out there. Mm-hmm. So we had medium to low engagement, and I didn't really want to harm the brand of the company, mostly because it was mostly my creative directors running the spots and interacting with the clients. I need to find a safe place for me to express who I am. Mm-hmm. YouTube was that place. Instagram is that place. Nobody thinks Chris Doe and Blind are exactly the same, so it's okay. Yeah. And I say things and I do things that probably they don't all agree with, my yep. own team, and it's totally okay. Yep. That became this super liberating thing that now my brand has a voice, it has a personality, it has a viewpoint. I steer clear of religion and politics, but other than that, it's really my point of view and I'm going to put it out there. It's very similar. So on the other side, so I have an ad agency and there are people that will write stuff where they just fundamentally disagree with the content that we put out because it's me, right? But it's it's me. And so there's kind of like this always, there's this tug of war between like, should we put more money into the company's marketing or like me, right? right but, your personal but what marketing. I'm finding is people want to do business with like the people that they like. Yeah. They might not necessarily agree with everything, but like, you know, why do you like the all these influencers in the world? because there's something that jives with them. So you have, you're an Emmy award winning director, designer, strategist, and educator. What has that done for you? Nothing. <laughs> Except for when they introduce me on stage, yep. people get excited about that Emmy. Yeah. I won that Emmy through, like, I'm just be real honest with you guys. A office manager said, Chris, we want to help you get an Emmy. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. Yeah. We don't do a lot of show titles. Mm-hmm. So how are you going to do this? And they looked through the categories and they found the one category that I could submit work for. Mm-hmm. And it's called the uh, Individual Achievement in Art Direction and you can submit anything. Yep. So we submitted a music video, not even a main title. And we did that and I was shocked. They're like, okay, you get one. And that's how I won an Emmy. It it was just like that, where people have been submitting and competing for one for years and never winning anything. It kind of creates this false expectation that you can submit once and win. But that's what happened. I'm not going to compare this to the Fortune 30 under 30, but literally what's going on with that right now is they're almost, it's becoming like this perverse thing where they're making a 30 under 30 for all these different subcategories. And that's how they're monetizing really well because publications, it's difficult right now. So now I want to come back to the 1 billion number. So why 1 billion people? I'm a big believer in this, in setting big, hairy, audacious goals, a bag. And the goals are supposed to kind of make you feel a little uneasy in your stomach. And it's supposed to be something that you work, I think, the rest of your life to attain. And it's okay that you don't achieve that. But it's the person you become in the pursuit of that goal. So for me, it was really important to set that moonshot to say, like, we might not make it. We might not colonize Mars, but let's work towards that. And if we do, we'll just slap ourselves and say, I can't believe we're here. Mm -hmm. And the 1 billion thing, I think I heard somewhere there's 7 billion people on Earth currently. Mm -hmm. So it's like one in seven, 
that seems pretty audacious. Yeah. And I'm not going to literally count like every single person that like, sends me an email as one. Yeah. So if I educate an educator, whew, that has the multiplication effect and they teach 30 students. And mm-hmm. as long as I'm still alive, I'll count that. Yep. It's just a general number. Got it. Okay. So mm-hmm. you, there's no real exact science to how you're tracking that right now. Cause there will be. Okay. Oh, I didn't want to talk about that because yeah. we, I was kind of debating with myself and other people like, yeah, 1 billion is a great number. I had the same exact number, right? Yes. Now, then we started to break it down a little more. We're like, uh, maybe it should be like 40 million. Yeah. That's a much more tangible, but it's like, you know, is the 1 billion, like all the people that listen to my podcast, right? Is it right. like, does that count? So how do you look at it? I would say yes. Yes. Yes, for sure. Okay. So it turns out a fan told me, I have an idea on how you can count your billion. And it just coincided with something I was thinking. Uh, back when I was a kid growing up, we didn't have a lot of money and we would drive by McDonald's. Like uh, McDonald's was a treat back in yeah. the day. Now I never eat there, but <laughs> you drive by and it's like 200 million hamburgers sold. I'm like, or served. I, I thought that was pretty cool. And now it's like some ginormous number, right? Yep. I was thinking we need something like that, but how do we do that? There aren't cash register transactions we can count. So a fan suggested that we have a counter that's live on our site mm-hmm. that if you want to count yourself as the one billion, yep. you click on that, you put in some information and it counts you as one. Yeah. So we'll just see that live and changing over time. Yeah. That'll be a really good way to so see. So you're it. aggregating all your kind of the views across the channels that you have. Well, this one would require you to physically do something. Uh-huh. So it'd be a really accurate count. Okay. We'd have to verify through CAPTCHA and putting in some unique things so we know some super fan doesn't put it in a hundred times. Yeah. See, I like that more because when I look at once you have a podcast that's going really well, or like if you, let's say you're a Tim Ferriss or whatever, yeah. right? You're getting four or five million downloads a month or yeah. a Joe Rogan. You're going to hit that billion very quickly. Yeah. So I like yours where it's a little more like they have to take an action mm-hmm. and... I like that. So maybe I'm going to come back to you and maybe steal that later. Yeah, of course. So, okay. So 1 billion. And then you talked about making money, doing what they love, but not being slimy. Where does that come from? Well, this is um, really to touch on the creative person and that there's this separation between church and state where I make art. I don't talk about money. If I take money then, or talk about money, then I'm not an artist. Mm -hmm. And we have to get over this feeling. So there are a lot of really slick, sophisticated sales programs. I'm sure you know all of them from these people, but they're designed for people who love sales, who mm-hmm. want to go out in real estate or move equipment, something like that. And they're, yeah. they're hardwired to do that and they love that aspect. So the adding of the not feeling gross part says, I'm also kind of conscientious of this idea that we don't like to sell and it cheapens mm-hmm. the art in your mind. So I need to find a way for creative people to love selling. And so we make them like we reframe it. So there's a conceptual mind shift that moves away from what sales is. A lot of people think of sales and we all have a story or two about the pushy salesperson who doesn't really care about you. Mm -hmm. They just need to meet a sales quota and they're annoying and aggressive. We need to move away from that. So to me, selling isn't trying to convince somebody of something at all. It's about serving them. How may I be of service to you? How can I help you achieve a goal that matters to you? And if I can't, I'm out of. Thank you very much for right. your time. I think maybe that's like a, <laughs> I can speak more myself, an Asian thing where like, I'm, I'm more introverted, right? Yes. So I'd rather go, I was talking to him earlier, um, these two actually, I'd rather spend like 10x more time creating content and bringing people inbound than yes. going out and pushing people. Yes. Yep. Same here. Yep. But that's like most artists too. Well, yeah. Maybe, maybe it's a creative thing. I don't know. Okay. So 
when you decided to say, okay, let's not focus as much on client services, can you give us a rough range on how the company was doing employees-wise, yep. revenue range, that sure. kind of stuff? I'll give you exact numbers. Sure. I'll give you whatever you want. The most we've ever built was in 2007. We almost broke $7 million as a 20-person company, mm-hmm. and we're doing pretty good. And we've done pretty good numbers most of my career. Mm-hmm. The average year would be about $5 million. Yep. $4 million would be a bad year for us. Mm-hmm. So as we're winding down out of the service industry, we're doing about four million dollars a year yep. and when we made the switch over to doing the future full-time we had just cracked a million mm-hmm. and we were at that point growing 300 percent year over year so it was exciting time so our goal this year was to hit three and a half we're not going to hit that we slow down a little bit yep. we're gonna have to solve that we'll most likely hit three million i'm not sure mm-hmm. because november is our biggest month of the year mm-hmm. like most retail places so yep. we'll see and how long, so you said you had the agencies for 23 years, 24? Since 1995, so it's okay. 24 years now. Got it. And how long do you think it took you, for people looking to start right now, how long did it take you to break seven figures on that agency? I think the first two years. Okay, got it. And then more or less, you've been hovering around four or five million. Yeah, well, I would say the first five years, it was right around $2.2 million in revenue. And I got kind of frustrated. Like, why can't I get beyond 2.2? Yeah. I hired a business coach that year. We did 3.9. And then from that point forward, like we didn't look back anymore. Yeah, makes sense. Um, so I do want to talk about, I guess, what are your plans for the future? So you got, right now you have, I saw one of your Twitter posts earlier, you have ebooks, you yep. have the 149 courses, you have, and then a thousand dollar hour coaching. Yep. Are there any other plans? In terms of how to make money? Yeah, I mean, is there a conference coming? Like, what's coming down the pipeline? Yeah, so we do group coaching. You could join a private, secret Facebook group, which is right now currently $150 a month. There's Mm -hmm. like 270 people in there, give or take. We plan on growing that. There are, like I said, donors who decide to give us $5 to $25 to $50 a month Mm -hmm. with no strings attached. It's not like Patreon. We don't promise you anything. You do it because you love us, and there's a lot of people who do love us. I do speak at conferences. I'm getting paid to do that. There will most likely be a conference that we produce ourselves in 2020, but I'm not sure yet. Okay. Yeah. And your podcast, what's it called? It's called The Future. Okay. And you just broke a million downloads. Yeah. I should send you a link to something later. We're using something called Supercast right now that's very similar to Patreon, but you can add a subscription to it, mm-hmm. like how the Chinese are monetizing their podcast. But yeah, they're growing pretty quickly. So favorite design book? Favorite design book would probably be Zag from Marty Neumeier. And almost all of Marty Neumeier's books are great. He talks about branding. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're great design books yep. where they show you works of other people. Yeah. But in terms of like them being able to articulate how you got there as uh-huh. an instructional thing, not very good. So I, I really love the way that Marty simplifies complex ideas and the way he writes really makes the information super digestible. Okay. Maybe let me rephrase. So if someone wants to get better at design, aside from looking at your stuff, which okay. they should definitely check out, mm-hmm. how would people... What would be your preferred way of getting better? Okay. Yeah. The cheapest, fastest way to do this probably is to pick up a couple of books on typography. There's Typography Form and Communication by Philip Meggs and a couple of people, David Carter, I believe, and another one by Eric Speakerman called Stop Stealing Sheep and Learn How Type Works. And that's also an excellent way to get started. Great. And favorite business book? Probably Jim Rohn's book, um, The Seven Strategies of Wealth and Happiness. It's probably one of my favorite books of all time. Huh, Jim Rohn fan. Okay, yes. great. Hardcore. Okay, favorite tool to grow your business? I'm not much of a tools person. So my favorite tool right now is using Keynote. Okay. I love Keynote. I use Keynote for just about everything. I use it to do my carousels, to do presentations, even just to block out designs for people. I do it for 
use it for almost everything because it's really simple. It's very easy to use. It doesn't have a lot of nuance to it, which designers get lost in the details mm. and allows you to block things out and communicate quickly. And it's super versatile. You can make a, a PDF, you can make a PowerPoint presentation, you can make a website, you can animate from it, you can record video and audio with it. It's pretty sweet that way. And you use Keynote for your carousel? Fix okay. Yeah, Makes sense. people were like, are what? Yeah, I, I tried to use that? Keynote almost exclusively. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and you said you're not a tools person, but maybe there's a tool that you've gotten for yourself in the last year. So it could be like a Peloton bike, an Aura ring, anything like that. Uh, let me think about that. Okay. I mean, I love video gear and mm -hmm. audio gear. So when there's a new lens or piece of kit, I will buy it. I'm crazy. I'm, I'm like the marketer's like wet dream. You make something, you talk to me the right way, I will buy it because I don't care. It's like, if it doesn't work, it doesn't yeah. work, I'll move on. Okay. No problem. So I also like handbags. I, I have a weakness. So, yeah. you know, it's my the male purse, the merce. Yeah. I, I'm all about that. How do marketers talk to you the right way? They talk to me with respect. Yeah. They show me the product with beautiful photography and they show me how to use it. Yeah. Don't sell me on it at all. Okay. Love it. What would be one company or founder that you're following right now? Well, I do pick up on Gary Vaynerchuk's content quite mm -hmm. a bit. I'm studying how he's trying different platforms. He's got an army much bigger than ours. So I like to see where he's playing to see on what scale that can we replicate that. So here's an example. Gary Vaynerchuk put out some posts about like how you can make a ton of content. Have you seen this thing? Yes, the seven minute one. And then there's like there's a hundred PDF, pieces. hundred yes. pieces of content, right? Yes. So he describes this whole thing. And I download it and I share it with the team. Like, guys, check this thing out. And he has what I think he calls master content, yeah. which is a two hour lecture that he gives. And then he chops it down 17 different ways and repurposes it. And then he waits for people to react. And then he changes the title to the, I'm like, that's pretty good. And I walked away. I said, there's only one flaw with that. No wonder he was so generous with sharing that. The one flaw is you have to be Gary Vaynerchuk. <laughs> Who can get on stage and talk for two hours nonstop and have quotable moments? Well, he has a videographer the whole day too. Yeah, that That's too. default content. Yeah. But let's just say like if the price of entry is to create a two-hour piece of content where you're going to have like micro cut downs, micro pieces of content. First of all, the people can't even talk for an hour, let alone be interesting for an hour. So how do you do that? So I have my version of it. Yeah. So I'm going to be in Amsterdam and I'm going to speak about how to make a thousand pieces of content. And I'm going to go on stage. And I'm like, I figured out the formula on how to blow up on social media. You have to be really good looking. You have to be related to somebody famous. You have to be in super shape and you have to have some special talent. That's the formula. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is Instagram for ugly, out of shape, non-talented people. And I'm going to get into it. So what I think right now, the key is you need to be able to get a platform that you can ideate and get feedback almost immediately. For me, it's Instagram. You can try out lots of different ideas at a very low cost to you in terms of human power. You look at the ideas that work well, you take those carousels, you lift them out, you make a super carousel, which is your keynote presentation. You go and deliver that to camera and then you're already creating chapters for the micro pieces of content to be cut down. That's your TED Talk. That's the beginning of your ebook. This is how you make a thousand pieces of content from these little iterations. I showed my team, not my team, my coaching group yesterday. I said, look at this. I put together 247 carousel or slide presentation for workshop I was doing. Normally, I'd be stressed out. But guess what? I have hundreds of slides that I've already created for Instagram. So when I wanted to say this idea, I just looked for the slide that did that, I would copy and paste. This thing came together so fast like you won't even believe and I didn't even stress out. 
all the work was done in advance in little bits so that the marathon is kind of like you've been training for it the whole time. Yep. That's so create the way content to go. as you go, basically, and not stress out. Yeah, create content, little pieces, because you have to research, you have to read certain things, you have to cut images out. You're doing all the prep work in two to six hour chunks, whenever you can. So later on, when you need to write that book, you're ready to go. Yep. You already have ideas that are validated. You can make videos, you can make animation, and get this. I'm going to take some of those slides that performed really well, I'm going to print them out, I'm going to have an interactive talk where I'm going through the slides in tangible ways. So there's a lot of ways to make content this way. Very hard to do it this way. I love it. And this is going to live on your YouTube channel too, right? This I'm not sure yet. This okay. will probably be one of my courses, but I'm going to do this okay. talk and I'm going to teach marketers how to do this. Okay, great. Well, I think marketers will love this. Okay, Gary Vee's content team, knowing my guy over there, it was so he says their team is basically 30 people. Wow. And the way they're organized is he showed me his phone. It's literally a 30 people iMessage group. And Gary, they just de-rock the videographer, drops mm -hmm. a piece of content and they just all just jump on it, right? And they're always two days away from running out of content. It's pretty nuts. That would scare me. I know for sure that would scare you. So I guess my question for you is how... No, that's your, a dream to me. Is it? Yeah. Or are they just, you're two days away from running out of content? No, no, no. That I have that many people to help oh, break I love down. that too. But I'm just saying two yeah. days away from like self-destruction. Well, it's because they're feeding on the same piece of information. Yep. Yep. So Gary, God bless him. He's been a guest on our show. I think he's starting to run out of things to say. And he may have hit that point because he is criticized for saying the same five or seven things. When I had him on our show, I combed through his content and said, Gary, here's what you're known for. Let's talk about new things. Yeah. And so the conversation now becomes, you can't repeat that anymore. Let's go somewhere else. Let's get personal. And he did get personal. He let us in on a couple of things. And unfortunately, it was very short the amount of time we had with him. Uh, well, hopefully you get another shot. Yeah, he's going to come back. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how big is your content team? How's it organized? Our content team is very small. I think we are 12 people that are in the studio and three people that are off-site and yep. working in various degrees of full-time, part-time. So we have, I think we have four dedicated videographers and editors, and one of them works on the podcast, one of them is working on cut down, and the other two are swinging between courses and new content. Mm -hmm. There's enormous backlog, enormous backlog. I just, I don't know when they would run out of things to cut. Yep. Got it. So... Ideally, you'd like to have 30 people. How do you want that team to be structured, I guess, in your, your ideal team? My ideal team, I would have a writer, a graphic designer, and a producer, like a producer editor, like from the show world, mm -hmm. where they don't just wrangle people and like, here's warm bodies at your project. They're actually thinking things through with me. Mm -hmm. And if I have an idea, something topical is happening right now. Somebody has redesigned a logo and people are mad. That day, I'm like, give me the research, find out who did everything and get it all lined up. Designer, put together the keynote presentation and get the script ready for me. So I get on camera, I do my thing. That thing gets sent out, gets chopped down, it gets broken down into a PDF. It's turned into tweet, all pieces of content. And that would take probably three or four people just to do one piece of content with me. Got it. All right. Final two questions. Looking at agency before, I mean, looking at now, so you spend a lot of time on the social channels. I guess I'm wondering, how is your day structured now? How long are you spending on these different tasks? Well, my entire life now is revolving around writing and reading content. So the content comes from reading the comments. Another reason why I read the comments, because people ask things and if enough people ask them, I think this has not been adequately resolved and I haven't made that yet. So I put that into the to the binder like, okay, let me write that. So that becomes a pin and I'll answer it at some point. 
So from the time that I wake up to the time that I go to sleep, I'm on the content all the time. So I have Mondays dedicated to writing, Tuesday for reading, Wednesday for meetings and coaching, Thursdays and Fridays for content production, Saturdays for the family, Sundays for self-care day. And that just goes on infinite repeat. You have a carousel for that too? Yes, I do actually. Really? It's been up. Okay, cool. Yeah. I didn't expand on it. It's just like one slide in a 10 slide carousel. Mm. But I found that when I switched over to this way of working and thinking, I'm more productive and I'm happier than I would be if my day was split up doing context switching with yeah, work. Yeah, it gets right? nuts. It does you get go nuts. insane. Yeah. Yeah. So I used to feel kind of bad when I was reading. So I would read and think about work. Jim Rohn talks about this in his books, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, you're not good to anybody when you're half here and half somewhere else. So yep. when I read now, I'm like, no, I don't have to answer emails. Everybody knows today's my reading day mm-hmm. and they don't schedule anything for me. And since we don't have any more clients, nobody calls me anyway. So it's yeah. all very good. So I can read. And here's the shocking thing. When I switched over to this mode, I read five books in a month, which was more than I read in the last six months. Like I would start stop projects. So it's kind of hard to count, but I know that just in one month, I did more than six months. So it was working already. And that was just dedicating one day a month. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I can't wait for your carousel to come out on that. Maybe a YouTube video too. What advice would you give to your 20-year-old self? Final question. What I would say is get on the platforms right now. Learn how to articulate what you're thinking because you get clarity through articulation. My teachers told me this before and I never listened to them write create things, share what it is you're thinking to discover what it is you're thinking. Cool. I love that. All right. We can end on that note. And so, Chris, this has been really good. I really want people to check out, especially your Instagram, everything. I mean, your Twitter too, everything. So, what's the best way for people to find you online? Okay. Find me on Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn. I'm at the Chris Doe. And on YouTube, you're going to find us at The Future Is Here. The Future is spelt without an E. Just remember, drop the ego and then you have the future. Wow. Okay. Chris, thanks so much for doing this. My pleasure. Thank you, Eric. You may have completed this level, but many more bosses await. If you're looking to level up in marketing or business, just go to singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up to get access to our individual and team training programs. That's singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up.